All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for another episode. Brand new guest uh, from a slightly different place in this beautiful world of ours. Sophie from Sophie Day Photography is here. And Sophie, where are you chiming in from? Um, I'm in Australia. So I live on the central coast, which is just north of Sydney. Okay. Recently moved, um, recently relocated. We're quite close to the water here. Um, yeah, so Sydney... Northern Beaches, Central Coast. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm a bit jealous of you, honestly. Um, I've had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time around the Sunshine Coast. Uh, I made a couple tri- couple trips out that way, and it was it was gorgeous. Um, and I love the culture, the Australian culture that I experienced there. And and I don't know if this is a stereotype or it just really is the case, but so friendly. Um, I mean, the community that I had the opportunity to spend time with there, just wonderfully friendly, easygoing, laid back. It was it was a cool experience in that way. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, very laid back, especially where we are. It's, um, yeah, pretty awesome place to live, I'd say. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I appreciate you making time to hang out with us today. And I know that the time difference is quite significant. You were very gracious in being willing to do that. But let's just jump right in. Something cool. that we talk about a lot here at the, the Boca Podcast is client experience. Mm-hmm. I'm curious from your experience as a photographer. Um, and by the way, how many years is that experience at this point? Yes. Yeah, so I have my first photography job was actually the year after I left school. Okay. So I've worked in the photography industry my whole life. I worked for a photo studio when I left school and went straight to uni to study photo media. So I've worked in the photography industry for 16 years. Okay. Wow. So I started with a portrait and wedding studio and I was, um, she was still shooting film and I was working as a sort of in the back end, you know, matting up photographic prints for her and doing all that sort of thing while I was at uni. I don't know if you wanted me to go into my background no, or that, what, that's, what else I've done. That's great though. It actually <laughs> gives context. I have a bad tendency when, when I have guests on the podcast to just kind of jump right into questions. We don't always get into that kind of detail. So I appreciate the detail. Uh, but when, the reason I asked about that is just to kind of give context to this question about providing a great client experience. You have a lot of experience as a photographer. Um, and so I'm curious, mm-hmm. based on that experience, what would you say has been one of the most impactful uh, shall we say, behaviors that has made a big difference in, mm. in delivering on a good client experience? Yeah, I think um, I thought about that. I think for me it's probably because uh, the photography that well, most of us do, I guess, is so in person. I think it's just really making, um, taking time to talk to your client and get to know them. Mm. So whether it be when you turn up at a session, but just giving them you know, the time to chat to them and make them feel comfortable, make them feel at ease. You know, even when you go up to meet a wedding couple and you're, you know, talking about what you do, I just feel like just talking to them, not about what you do or what you're going to do at the time, but just, yeah, spending the time to chat to them and ask them questions about themselves and get to know them. I feel like it really makes them feel at ease. And then, yeah, I guess, makes them feel like they get to know you a little bit before before a session. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that really helps with getting them to relax. So a lot of photographers will talk about the significance of a personal relationship and making the effort, as you're saying, to get to know somebody. Is there something that you, maybe a particular question even, um, that you utilize mm-hmm. in that conversation that sets you apart? Because it's easy for us, and you're kind of alluding to this, to just, you know, we talk about what we do and how was your day and where do you work? And there's these very kind of cliche questions that we ask everybody the first time we meet. And the impactful interactions that I've had with other people, part of that impact has come from somebody asking a question that totally caught me off guard. I didn't expect it. 
Um, it, somebody actually not too long ago asked me, they said, what, what's your favorite? I, th- I think the question was, what's your favorite thing about being yourself? Ah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'd never heard, I'd never heard that question before. And you know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't all these other cliche questions. So anyway, is there something that you like to ask that, that helps create conversation and go to a more personal level? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know if there's anything specific. I think I do a lot of family sessions now. And I think because I have children of my own, mm. obviously when I get there, I try and connect with the children somehow. So I think that's often a really good way is to not just acknowledge the parents when you turn up and introduce yourself to them, but even get down with the children at their level or, you know, even if it's like commenting on a great pair of shoes that they've got or, you know, telling them what you're going to do and we're going to head to the beach or asking them whether they love the beach and yeah. whether, the, whether they go swimming. I think acknowledging them is a really good way to sort of break the ice for the parents and for them to take the focus off off the parents, but maybe, yeah, chat to the children. That's a great point, actually. It speaks to a certain amount of empathy, especially you being a parent. You can understand what it's like to be a parent. You can speak to that. And going there uh, probably perks that parent up immediately because now you're speaking to something that's valuable to them. It's not just, you know, what did I do yesterday yeah. or what where did I go to work? But this person that means the world to me, now you're talking to me about them and you understand what it's like to be a parent. So now I feel like you can relate and you're connecting yeah. on a personal level right away. Yeah, yeah, for That's sure. good. That's really good. Um, well, so I want to keep moving though, because I, we have so much to cover here today. We're going to actually talk about this rebranding process that that you went through mm-hmm. Uh, taking back your personal brand. We'll explain what that means in a little bit. But on that note, mm-hmm. a question that we that I ask um, many of our guests, most of our guests at this point is about brand position. Um, I know we're yeah. going to talk about your rebranding process, but what now is your brand position or the unique value proposition that you offer to your local market? Yeah, sure. So um, I definitely have to give credit to you for this because I've listened to heaps of your podcasts. And I think, yeah, just listening to this question over and over, it really made me sort of think, oh, okay, what's mine and and how, yeah, I guess doing the rebrand, how, you know, how do I differ and how do I, you know, what is it that people come to me for? So the way that I that, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I've written on my website basically, um, is cultivating connection between you and your loved ones and capturing the calm moments for you to keep. Oh, capturing the calm moments for you to keep. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to your website here. And by the way, for anybody listening in, it's sophiedayphotography.com, S-O-P-H-I-E, and then dayphotography, just like it sounds, .com. And uh, by the way, the same, uh, actually on, right now on Instagram, it's my lens of love. Um, yeah. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. But yeah, so I'm on your homepage. I scroll down just slightly. I see my superpower as a photographer is cultivating connection between you and your loved ones and capturing those calm moments for you to keep forever. You know, it's really interesting. As many cliches as photographers, like probably 70, 80% of photographers tend to use a particular word or phrase and you see it repeated over and over again from website to website. I don't know that I've, that I've seen photographers, much if at all, speak to the significance of calm. So I really like that. You're going a, a unique direction. How did you land on that? Yeah, I think I just, I think I was scrolling through my Instagram actually and I guess the images that that I'm drawn to and that I really love um, from a session are those really calm moments. Like I found that, yes, I do do photos where there's a bit more movement and, you know, I do provide those in my gallery um, and I really love other photographers when I see, you know, there's action or there's, 
heaps of movement. Um, but I actually found the ones that I really loved were those still calm moments where there was connection, there was a hug or there's, you know, standing there holding hands. Yeah. So, and I also took, I looked at my testimonials, um, got some testimonials from people and mm. I realised that the word calm was used quite a lot in reference to myself, I think, and wow. how I work as a photographer. Okay. But then I also realized that I actually saw that in the photos mm. that I really loved from mm. a session. So I just found that that was quite fitting in in my images and what I saw and loved and maybe what other people saw and loved and also what they saw in me as a photographer. Wow. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, so I, I did actually scroll, start scrolling through your Instagram feed as you were talking there and I'm seeing what you're talking about. The Instagram feed in particular there is that theme of calm in the interactions between the subjects in your imagery. And it's really lovely. Mm. I mean, I think there's a massive opportunity here for you to really run with that theme and make it even more prominent, not only in the imagery, but um, in the messaging on your site. But I think it's really great. You've actually landed on something that's mm. unique. So prop, major props to you for that. Oh, thank you. That's absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's great. And for everybody listening in, of course, brand position or a brand position statement isn't the end all be all for our marketing efforts. It it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's a significant piece. We don't talk about it enough in the industry, and it's one of the reasons that we're spending so much time on the podcast. But um, it's it's important to not only look at the marketplace and what they're saying and kind of go the opposite direction, do something different, uh, but also it, Sophie demonstrated something really great here, which is to look at what your clients are saying about you and use that at least as a significant point of reference in developing that brand position statement. So uh, yeah, I think there's wonderful opportunity to continue to build on that, Sophie. That's really, really nice. Mm. But I want to keep going here. Let's talk about time uh, because yes. you're a business owner and very much uh, a member of a, a thriving family and it's going to keep yeah. you busy all the way around. How do you mm. keep space for yourself? How do you make time for your family? How do you also manage to juggle your business all at the same time? Are there particular tips or tricks that you can recommend? Yeah, so at the moment, um, I've got a five-year-old daughter who just started school yeah. and I've got a two-year-old who's not in care at the moment. So I've pretty much had him full-time at home with me. So yeah, it's definitely been a challenge the last couple of years, um, sort of just editing while he naps. But I do have a couple of little rules that I, because I shoot mainly on the weekends for weddings yeah. and portrait sessions when my husband's home, obviously, and it's afternoon session, sessions usually. So I still get the days to spend with my family. Mm. But I do have a rule that I edit only Monday to Thursday evenings okay. um, because he's not in care. I do it when he sleeps in the day and then also the four nights a week. And then I make a point that I don't edit um, on the weekends. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, I do possibly do a download from the weekend. Okay. But yeah, I've just sort of had to put that rule in place. Otherwise, I just feel like I'd never see my husband, you know, the kids yeah. finally go to bed and then I'm waving goodbye and heading out to my little studio out the back where I edit. So yeah, putting that in place has been really helpful the last couple of years just to, yeah, just to be able to separate that work you know, home life sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully soon my little one will start daycare and I'll have a bit more routine to my week when he's in care a couple of days a week. Sure. So yeah, it's just, I think it's just being conscious of, yeah, maybe, maybe setting, you know, if you do have to work at night, if you're a mom and you have, you know, little time during the day, um, maybe just being conscious of having a bit of a, a schedule where you will and won't edit on certain nights of the week. I found that to be helpful. 
Yeah, I'm, I have two kids. They're now quite a bit older. They're 18 and 15, um, single dad. So I have yeah. them the majority of the time and yeah. um, juggling work and schedules, you know, school and extracurricular activities. My son works now too. And I mean, it's the combination of things all going on at the same time. It can be a little bit chaotic. It can especially be chaotic with the little ones um, who just kind of need you all the time. And I know what that's like too, because I was working at home yeah. with, with two younger kids. Nonetheless, intentional boundaries is, is that they're the two words that I wrote down as you were talking about mm. this. And there is something so wonderfully simple about the idea itself as a concept. And yet it's so powerful if we actually follow through on it, we do so consistently. Mm. And so I think yeah. this is a great reminder for, um, well, not only our listeners, but for myself as well, even now, yeah. it's important to remember to be really intentional in setting those boundaries and actually following through on that. I don't yeah. know if you found this, but my uh, my kids it would even hold me accountable. There were certain. There was a certain point at which we did something called we called it Fun Sunday, and then actually, I'm sorry, we started with Fun Monday before they were in school. So Fun Monday was like the computers get shut down. We'd go out and do some activity together, uh, and then that became Fun Sunday after school started. And so Sunday was the day, and they would they would hold us accountable. It was like you know today's Fun Sunday. Or I today's, remember. Yeah, Fun Monday, and you know no computer, or no phone, or whatever. Um, yeah, that's kind of great. But I, I love that you're doing that. Again, great, great reminder for our listeners. Let's talk about though something else that ultimately enables time um, as business owners, gives us a little bit more freedom and flexibility, delegation or outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And is, there, is this something that you've found beneficial for your business that you've tried at all? Yeah. So up until recently, I would de- I have delegated my website and all my graphic design stuff. Mm. But this recent rebrand, I, um, I did delegate the branding itself to a graphic designer, which was really helpful to sort of have that out of my hands and someone else working on that. But I have actually done the website myself, which was very um, time consuming and it it took a lot longer than I had, well, I guess with little gaps of time here and there, having a little one at home, it just took a lot longer than, you know, and obviously the work kept getting pushed in front of it. So I did do that myself. However, I probably would recommend outsourcing that if I did it again. (laughs) Sure. And then at the top of my list is wedding editing. It's Mm. my definite, uh, that's definitely my next thing that I'm going to outsource. And I I think that's how I discovered um, your podcast, actually, because I have signed up for an account with you and everything. Oh, very Um, cool. But I just am yet to take the plunge. I I think because the last couple of years I have sort of stepped back and not been shooting as many weddings Mm. as before, Mm -hmm. but definitely when that sort of ramps up when my little one goes back to care and I'm putting more of an effort into getting more weddings again. Um, yeah. I definitely, that'll be top of my list to delegate that. <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world, but you talked about website design. It's funny. I have a tendency of, of trying to take on some of that process, at least throwing mock-ups together and making suggestions versus just hiring somebody who, whose specialty it is, whose expertise yeah. it is. And as much as I enjoy the creative process, really giving that to somebody who really actually knows what they're doing is, is the better route to go. And I've continuing to learn this. And I mean, this is certainly the case with editing, editing, outsourcing or delegating editing saves insane amounts of time, um, especially with mm. wedding photography. So I'm, I'm glad that you're looking forward to that too, because that's going to give you so much freedom. The idea oh, of having to edit Monday wait. through Thursday <laughs> goes away. Yeah, that'll be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> but talk to me about something else. This is inspiration is something that is a word that we that we have thrown around in the photography industry quite a bit. And it's become a bit cliche, but the reality is we all want some type of inspiration or motivation in some form or fashion, and it doesn't necessarily have to come from the photography industry. Do you find Mm -hmm. inspiration in sources outside of the photography industry that have been compelling? 
They're probably a bit cliche as well with my answers, but I would say nature is probably one of my biggest inspirations. Like for me, just to go for a walk in nature, mm. um, not necessarily taking my camera, but I think because I shoot, um, I shoot always outdoors and in natural environments. Mm-hmm. I'm my eyes are just forever hunting for little little areas or little new spots that I can use in my photography. You know, even just going with got beautiful national parks around here and a lot of wide open spaces you know big cliffs cliff faces with rocks and wow so I think just going and exploring that I I actually used to hate going for bushwalks as a kid and I hate used to hate driving through um trees and bushes I think I don't know why I I just used to love being at the beach but anything to do with the bush used to bore me which to me now just seems bizarre because I could just walk I think for days through 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 nature and through bushland so I think um yeah probably just doing that and exploring new towns as well like I love Mm. you know Australia is a huge country and it's very diverse I guess um my sister lives about five hours inland up in the country and I find I just always feel really inspired driving through yeah new new towns and new environments just I guess having that that time to sit in a car and just look out the window I always come up with ideas (laughs) Do you find like, so when you talk about those ideas, does that inspire new ideas for the photographs that you're taking, new new types of composition? What, what does that actually translate to practically? A bit of both, actually. Uh, I feel like it's definitely even just um, ideas for my business. I've always got all these things that I want to do with my business and new ideas and new ways to go. And probably because I do have kids, I find that when I'm actually out, I feel like my mind is free and I have more space to think when I'm actually out out in nature or yeah. you know driving in the car I'm yeah. used to just having little tiny humans talking at me all day long <laughs> so um, yeah. I think any space where I'm just out without them is inspiring for me <laughs> that's fair that's fair there I mean there's something to be said for a certain amount of freedom as human beings that that gives us the opportunity to be curious curiosity is a Mm -hmm. word that comes to mind for me even even like just walking through an airport when i'm traveling for example Mm. i am so curious to to, i mean the people that are walking by to think about their stories and what might be going on in their life and um yes i'm exactly the same are you people watching people watching at its best (laughs) it's so good but i think if we maintain that level of curiosity that will hopefully carry over into the work that we do. Mm. Speaking of inspiration though, what about education? Do you, are there particular books, uh, self-help books, business books, or otherwise that you found significant help from? Yeah. So I'm actually not a huge reader and it's something that I really wish I did more of. And I think it's probably the time thing once again. Okay. Fair. I do have one book that I read, oh, um, this is not the only book, I promise, <laughs> but it has been a while since I've read a book. <laughs> no worries. But this book I read oh, probably when I was about, uh, I think, just come out of school. My first boss gave it to me and it's actually the Richard Branson Losing My Virginity book. Really? Okay, um, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just found that and I'd love to go back and read it now actually all these years on just to see if I still, you know, found the same things. Um, I found that it was just one of those books that it just, he's a real go-getter and he's mm-hmm. a real give anything a go. Mm-hmm. But he also stressed a lot about creativity and okay. being creative within your business. So not so much, you know, a business about creativity, but getting creative, so changing your ideas or moving in different directions when your business is a bit stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I just found that I was just thinking about that the other day, actually, with this whole Corona thing going on. Yeah. I, yeah, I just feel like it's a really great chance for us to get creative and really step back and think about how you can change your business to deal with something like this, um, how we can move in different directions and, um, yeah, just sort of giving you the space to be a bit creative. The other thing I, I listened to the other day, which was an awesome podcast, and this is very relevant to at the moment, and it's by Brooke Schultz. I'll just have to look yeah. what um, what the podcast, um, Heartful Living, uh, Heartful Living, A Wildly Creative Life. But the actual episode is on desperation. Okay. And she talks about um, right now <laughs> um, and how that in times of desperation that creativity can just flourish and do amazing things for all of us. So that yeah. episode, I would highly recommend anyone to go and listen to that because okay. it was just, it really just shook me and made me think all these things that I've been thinking about doing are going to mm. happen now because now I have the time mm. and I have something to really push me to go and create something different and work. You know, I'm stuck here at home and I can't go and shoot my sessions on my way my weddings, but I can do these other things that I've been wanting to do and that have been boiling in my mind and, you know, yeah. wanting, you know, wanting to fulfill. So, um, yeah, that was an awesome episode to listen to. Oh, I mean, we're going to put that in the show notes for sure. And of course, losing your virginity. I, I'm trying to think if I've actually purchased the book because I have a bad tendency of purchasing books. I'm like, oh, that sounds really great. And I buy one and it goes in my Kindle <laughs> and then I don't read it yet. Um, so I need to, yeah. I need to get a copy of that though, because, uh, he is, such an inspiring individual, what he's been able to accomplish is just kind of mind blowing to actually consider. But um, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. For everybody listening in, if you go to bocapodcast.com, there are show notes for each episode, take advantage of those. Um, Not only the talking points, but the resources from the episodes. We also have a really cool little resource at bocabookshelf.com. So the most commonly uh, recommended books are there on bocabookshelf.com. So check that out as well. And uh, we'll put all of these in the show notes. Let's let's shift back, though, to this conversation about branding and more specifically rebranding in your case. First of all, you've been in business, as you mentioned, for about 15 or, or 16 years, which is huge. I mean, major congrats. Not everybody can say that. But mm-hmm. you had, I think, for much of that time, you had a different business name. Is that correct? Yes. So um, originally I started off uh, just as my personal name. Um, That was a lot of kids photography. Um, I was working with a kids talent agency doing all of their portfolio shots. Um, And then I started to shoot a lot of weddings. I think I just got to that age where people I knew were getting married Mm. and um, I just used to get a lot of referrals and I thought, oh yeah, I'll give that a go. Uh, And then I'd been doing that for about uh, four or five years and I thought, oh, I better, you know, start a proper name and and everything because I'd just sort of been doing it through referrals. Um, So my previous name was My Lens of Love. And when I set that up, I wanted to set up a business name that was sort of an umbrella name and it wasn't me personally so that I could then book other photographers to uh, shoot for me. Yes. So I had that for about that name, I guess, for about eight years And I just found that I never actually booked someone else to shoot weddings for me because it was Mm. always through personal referrals. So they would always expect me to turn up on the day. And although I would always shoot with a second photographer, I just never felt okay about sending someone else out for a referral that had been sent to me. Okay. 
Yeah, so that was the original name and, yeah, it was it was great and, you know, worked well for a while, but I just felt in the last couple of years that because my work was tending to, I was going a lot more families um, and not as many weddings, I, yeah, I just decided to go back to my name because yeah. I felt that when I was at weddings and people would say, oh, what's your name? Do you have a business card? And if I just had my camera on me and I didn't have a business card, I found that saying my lens of love and having to spell it out to them, I just knew that I'd walk away and they'd forget it. Interesting. <laughs> so I was listening to a lot of podcasts and things on personal branding mm-hmm. and, you know, that sort of thing. And they kept saying you need a clear name that's easy to spell that people will remember and, yeah, I just felt it was time for a change. And, yeah, so I launched Sophie Day Photography. Right. And, I mean, it is easy enough to remember. It's simple enough to spell, um, to your point. It's funny how you, you point out the, I don't know, the kind of drag of an experience that it could be for somebody to have to try to figure out how to spell a name. What is that? You know, how, mm. do, you, how do you break that up? How do you write it out, sound it out? how do you spell it ultimately and um, keeping things as simple as possible really does make a difference. I didn't make it easy for my clients personally because my last name, um, even though I look at it and like, it seems phonetic enough, like you can sound it out. Um, Holritz photography can be a little bit of a mouthful. I don't know that I made it so easy for them, but Sophie day is, is beautifully simple. And the, the, the actual branding work um, that, that was done or the visual uh, branding work that was done to go along with the name, I think is beautiful too. I mean, you mentioned the significance of outdoors to you and that what looks like kind of a rising sun as the mm. the mark itself um, is beautiful. It seems to very much match who you are. The gold color matches who you are. I, I think it's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really happy with it. It's nice to have a new fresh uh, website and fresh branding to look at. My other one was getting a little bit tired and yeah, I feel like it, it definitely moved with with the look of my photography. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really happy with that for now. You did mention something that I want to highlight though, just briefly, which is the significance of being able to build a business that isn't just you. This this was kind of your your thought process was ha- but not mm. using your name for a business. And that that actually does work for some business models. So for anybody listening in, if you're wanting to create a scalable business that doesn't just involve you, that you do want to build a team um, eventually maybe just kind of take more of a CEO role or a management role and let other photographers do the work, or you just want to add additional photographers to the mix, whatever the model, if you want, if you want it to be more than just you coming up with a, I hate to say generic name because that has a kind of a negative connotation, but a name that isn't reliant on yours, um, might be a good idea. There's a book called E-Myth or the E-Myth Revisited that talks about building a scalable business. We'll link to that in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com for anybody that's curious if that's the direction that you want to go. But Sophie, to your point, you're like, you know what? I'm doing this anyway. I might as well take back that personal brand, make it easier for my clients to remember. And then ultimately this reflects the, the business model that I want to run anyway. But to that point, when you when you made this branding change, what were some of the specific changes that you made, maybe not just to the brand, but even the accompanying experience as a whole? Yeah. So, so obviously the website, new branding. I also decided uh, the clearer brand message, which you definitely helped with um, inspiring that. And also I think it was just showing up maybe on my social medias a bit more. Hmm. So on my Instagram, I, I tended to not show anything of myself or my children for quite a while. Okay. And then I realized that the, the photographers or the businesses that I really enjoyed 
you know, following their story on social media were the people who I saw and I got to feel like I knew them. Sure. So I definitely probably a year ago now, I just made an, an effort to try and show up a bit more on my social media. So whether it be talking, talking about, you know, sessions, about what people should wear at sessions, just doing little things like that. I noticed such a huge increase in engagement when I did post a photo of myself, which as much as I sort of (laughs) felt uncomfortable to do that, um, I noticed just such a huge shift in the engagement and people wanting to message me and talk to me. Or even if I posted a picture of my kid or something to do with my house or what we'd done on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big part of going back to the personal brand is I really felt like people connect with you as a person when they know your name, when they know your face. Yeah, yeah, and I did. I noticed such a huge increase in people booking me because they would be able to see me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, I definitely now I look at other people's social media and brands that I love, you know, not necessarily necessarily photographers, but that I like to follow or I like to support small businesses. And Mm -hmm. if I know the person behind that brand, I feel a lot more connected to them. So I think a big part of it was just showing up more, making sure that people knew me um, as well as knew, you know, knowing what I was going to provide for them, I guess. Another thing I did also add was offering prints. So offering photographic prints. Previously, I was all digital um, and it was just a really simple process to um, to be able to add the option to order prints from their gallery. I do in my social medias talk about print, printing photos a lot and printing photo books and making sure that you are putting your photos into tangible form, mm-hmm. especially for your children because that's a huge worry for me is that 10, 20 years down the track, my children won't have a computer that my hard drive will plug into because it will all be and they won't be able to access them. So for me, it's I put a huge emphasis on creating tangible prints for my own children and their memories. Um, And it's something I talk about a lot on my social media. Mm. So I guess it's then encouraging my clients to uh, print them and put their photos into tangible form. So that's something that I've also, as a part of the new branding, really focused in on uh, tangible Prince. Huh. Wow. Okay. So I made this list here. So new website. I mean, that's a whole, we could do a whole podcast episode just on that topic. Then the visual element, of course, the actual logo itself, brand message, showing up more on social media, um, offering prints. I mean, really each of these could be their own podcast episodes and, and we could spend so much time talking about each one of them, but what's the, when, when it came to developing a new website, did you make a massive shift? Um, were, were you going with a whole different design or did you just make kind of slight shifts along with the logo? What did that, that look like? Well, because I had to change the brand, I had to change the domain name. Mm. Uh, so I pretty much just started from scratch. Okay. Um, it's probably, you know, it's a very simple website, but I feel like my, um, my style is very clean and simple. So, yeah, it was new domain, new branding, completely new images. I just scrapped the other one and um, just forwarded it to the new new website. Yeah, so it was totally starting from scratch, really. That's great. And, and I'm, I'm smiling because I'm, I'm actually looking at the, the Meet Sophie section of your website, this this new website, and there are these beautiful yeah. pictures of, of you and then you with your two children. You mentioned that you had avoided putting yourself out there very much, particularly on social media. Was there 
a, a, was there a particular reason for that? I mean, I know you, you mentioned to me even before we started recording the importance of your kids' privacy to you, but what about even for yourself? Did you feel odd doing it? Did you feel egotistical? Like what was the apprehension when it came to sharing yourself personally? Uh, yeah, I think it's just that sort of feeling like, yeah, I never, I guess I never, you never want your social media account to be about me. And I guess being Mm. a visual thing and it's about my photography, it's not about me. Yes, I guess there was that apprehension of why am I showing up when it's actually my photography work that I'm supposed to be showcasing, not my face. But yeah, I guess I realized how important it is for people to know who it is that's going to turn up at their session, whether it be knowing who to look out for when you turn up at their wedding, if you haven't met them or Mm -hmm. at, at a photo session, but also, I guess, just feeling comfortable knowing that, okay, she looks like a friendly person, <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, I guess that, yeah, I realized the importance of that for, for myself as a consumer and as someone that would book someone in for a job. Um, I would like to know who it is that I'm, that I'm going to meet or see or work with. Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, I mean, there's a post, I, I was kind of scrolling through the feed here and there was, there was a post that you did back on February 3rd and it starts with, and she's off. I'm officially a school mom. And, and there's this beautiful mm-hmm. picture of you with your daughter on the beach, which I think is fair to say probably your favorite place to be, yes? It is, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I'm so lucky. I've got um, some really lovely friends who are also photographers who have been my either wedding assistants for over sort of 10 years. I think one of my friends, Courtney's worked with me. So I'm super lucky that we do um, – sort of contra deals for each other and photograph each other's family just to make sure that we're actually getting in the frame. Um, Otherwise it's me trying to set up a tripod, which is, yeah, not always that (laughs) that successful. (laughs) Yeah. No, if you have to, it it can work. But yeah, especially when you're outdoors like that and you've got little kids to try to wrangle up and and get in front of the camera. No, it's beautiful. But (laughs) to your earlier points, I mean, there really is something significant to putting yourself out there personally. And I've found something very similar because I saw for the longest time when Instagram was still relatively new and then people got more and more comfortable and they were posting selfies all the time. I was so annoyed because <laughs> I was like, what is what is this obsession with putting ourselves out there? And, yeah, and I think there's, there's a healthy balance certainly to be had in it. But, but ultimately, it was funny. Like I go back through my Instagram feed and I don't have a massive following personally, but um, the the posts that get engagement are the posts where I was either posting like a picture of me with my kids or me with my girlfriend or just a, an individual picture of me. For some reason, mm. that was the thing that got people's attention. Um, yeah. And and I don't know, I, I just find that entertaining ultimately, but it's just a simple reality. And so to play to that in a healthy way, I think is a really great idea. And it does enable us mm. to make that personal connection that that seems to be very important, not only to photographers these days, but the other side too, right? We, none of us as consumers want to feel like a number in the end. Mm. And despite the fact that, that I mean, the, the world continues to grow, social media seems in some ways to kind of create a disconnection. We still want a personal connection with that person on the other side at some point. And uh, allowing that makes for a stronger relationship with our clients. So I'm glad that you highlight that as well. But mm-hmm. I, I want to ask about the the ideas that drove this process of of rebranding for the sake of our, our listeners. Because if, if they're in this place where you know, whatever the motivation may be, they want to change the business name, maybe they want to pivot the whole business model, they want to get into a different genre, maybe a more specific version of or variation of the genre that they're currently offering, whatever the motivation, they need to change their brand, they want to change their brand. 
are there particular concepts, principles, ideas that they should consider if they're going to begin that process that you learn from your experience? Yeah. Um, so I guess the first one would be to what, like ask yourself why you're rebranding. So yeah. I guess you need a reason why. Um, for me, the reason was, yeah, definitely moving away from shooting as many weddings and going towards families and knowing that that I wanted to go back to the personal brand for that connection point and for people to easily be able to remember my name and recommend me because I knew uh, after 15 years of working that I wasn't going to go and book someone else to shoot under my name. And although I had that intention to start with, I realized how how important it was to for me to show up and me to be the one that was there. Sure. Um, so for me, that was a big why for me. But yeah, definitely ask yourself why you're rebranding mm. would be a good one. The other one, the way I worked around my rebranding was to ask my clients for testimonials. So if you have um, been in the photography industry, then you should be able to touch, get in touch with previous clients of yours to ask for testimonials. I found that I had so many people that were more than happy to do that, um, you know, and you only need five or six. But that for me was a really great reference point to read those through and really take in what people had said about mm-hmm. me. Um, yes. And I felt like that helped me clarify what it is that people not only liked about my work but liked about working with me myself. Okay. So that was the second one. The third point was to make your social media start to represent that brand change because I know that if you're going to change your branding, um, people, you know, people scroll through social media, I think, more than anything, more than a website. And if your social media, if they flick through back through a couple of scrolls and it looks like a completely different way that you used to edit or I just think keeping that consistent with the brand change is really important as well. Sure. Um, so I, I was definitely conscious of that. I, in my social media, I'm quite conscious of the images that I post, that they look pretty all together, obviously with the colours and stuff, but yeah. also that they're yeah consistent with my, the way that the brand was heading before I actually did the rebrand. Okay. And then the other one was just to do the re- some research within your area. Mm. So I guess to make sure I had quite a funny experience. I had booked in a graphic designer to do my branding for me and she I had seen her work on social media and I really loved what she did and I was waiting, waiting, waiting. Anyway, she took quite a long time and then I think my job had possibly dropped off her radar and anyway when she finally sent the options for my logos through she had sent me an almost identical logo to another photographer in my area with the name Sophie someone who I won't mention with a different surname wow okay photography and she had used almost identical font and it was so bizarre so this designer had not done her research obviously she'd maybe used a font that was quite popular at the time I'm not quite sure but she'd sent me almost identical branding to a photographer in my area so I just thought wow so at that point I had already engaged another graphic designer anyway Mm. I went with her but that was just a real um yeah for for anyone that's rebranding obviously the first thing you do is 
have a look at other people in your area and yes. what their branding looks like and you want yeah. to steer away from that and make it as different as possible. <laughs> so, 100%. Yeah, yeah it, and it's funny how that that simple task, I mean, it, all it takes is just getting on Google, doing a quick search, see what sites come up. Not that difficult to do, but I, I'm not sure how many photographers do that. And, and I think it's a d- good thing not just to do for rebranding, but to do it consistently, just to be aware of your market, the market behavior, so that as we talk so much about when it comes to brand position specifically, that we can ultimately position ourselves against the market we want to to create distinction the last thing that we need to do is have a logo or font or otherwise like you're saying that is so similar so that's a really good reminder um do the research for your market of your market the other thing too the logistics of social media change did you change your editing style with the brand change or was it more just hey creating a distinction that hey look my brand has been updated moving forward i'm sophie day photography yeah, no, I didn't really change. I feel like my editing style I, I, has always been quite true to natural light. Okay. I've, I don't use presets. I don't use um, any of that stuff. I, I've always just done it myself from scratch. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't change my style. Okay. I guess I maybe was more conscious about which images I posted on my social media. Sure. But, yeah, no, I've always... Um, just stuck to the really nice, light, bright, airy style of editing because that's what I like. I mean, I did find myself when I would get too engrossed in social media and look at other moody, dark photographers, which I love and appreciate, and I sort of started to try and do that because I thought that's what everyone was doing and maybe I should be doing that too. Mm. And then I realised that, no, that's actually not the the imagery that I love and that I love to produce and I sure. found myself I was just sort of steering in this way that that wasn't true to myself so um yeah I feel like I've just got to stay in my lane and and do what I do and yeah <laughs> no that's that's really good actually and and your processing style you said light in the area and I, I definitely see it but it's not over the top either I mean it, this is a style that and look that's not going to look bad in print and it's not going to look good in three years or five, or I'm sorry, not look bad in three or five years when, yeah. you know, as trends continue to change, you see some photographers editing style so extreme. And I don't, yeah. I, I'm just confused by that because it seems to lack a certain amount of awareness, both about the way the market behaves, um, what the client's ultimately going to actually want, how this thing is even going to look in an album or in print when those, those really weird skin yes. tones are yes. printed. Yes. Um, so no, you, you've got a really nice style. And I did notice that you have kind of a triptych of your, um, your logo, Sophie Day Photography. Was that kind of the distinction of like, this is where my rebrand has happened? Yeah, I think that was at the point where I launched that. So I just wanted to, yeah, have, you can see that my handle is still my lens of love because I wanted to just slowly transition that over. Sure. Um, I haven't quite worked out how that works when you totally change it and then can people still find you or so I thought I would just do it slowly, change the actual name and the website on there and then eventually I'll probably change the handle over. I haven't quite thought about that how that's going to work but yeah that was just easing in the new the new logo and so people can scroll down and see oh that's right I do remember this person but she's changed <laughs> but it's yeah it's Sophie Day Photography and and you all can see that if you're listening in if you go to instagram.com slash my lens of love you can see the triptych there and it just created a little bit of distinction um, just a reminder which is which is nice the last question I have for you before we finish up though when you're talking about asking your clients for testimonials again this is a, a relevant question or relevant activity when you're attempting to create a brand position statement, um, which was part of your process in, in this rebrand, 
what kind of feedback did you get from your clients that made um, a, a big difference? I know that you said calm was a word that you actually heard from them earlier. Was there other feedback that you got that made a difference in this rebrand process? I think it was just realizing my lean towards family photography, I guess. Mm. Most of the people that were happy to give me testimonials were the people that whose wedding I'd photographed and then gone on to photograph their family. So yeah, I think for, for many years I was just like my website purely used to have just my wedding photography on okay. there, although I was shooting a lot of family stuff. Okay. Um, so with the rebrand, I really sat down and thought about, okay, what is it that I actually want to be shooting more of? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess 80% of my work now is family stuff. Mm. Whereas before it was, you know, a hundred percent that was on my website was wedding stuff. So it just didn't really make sense. Um, so yeah, I guess realizing that, okay, I do actually want to be shooting more families. I don't want to be shooting weddings every weekend. So it was the, the testimonials from those families. And I guess how I, you know, how I was with their children and those sort of things that were a nice, um, thing to play on as well. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating actually. And I've had a a really interesting experience or multiple experiences with, with this, where I ask for our clients feedback and you may assume that you know what clients are thinking, but to actually get to see their words typed out, um, their very specific feedback given, it really is so helpful. And I think just like we were talking about earlier, researching the market, that we should do that on an ongoing basis for the sake of awareness. Getting clients' feedback mm. on an ongoing basis is a great idea too, and particularly um, poignant or relevant in the process of a rebrand. So that's really good as well. I, I appreciate mm. you sharing your perspective. And and I mean, really, job beautifully done. Particularly, I'm really taken by this idea of calm. I, I think there's so much that you could do with this. And not only in the yeah, messaging, that's interesting. Uh, but the, the imagery too, especially as it, as it relates to family photography. So I'm curious to see what you do with that um, as you continue to develop Yes, because family shoots aren't always calm, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, that is an interesting thing. But I think I do have, I must have a bit of a calming nature around kids I have always worked with kids in my photography from from day dot so I feel like I'm very comfortable around children and maybe vice versa I don't know maybe they feel comfortable around me but um it did yeah it was something that came up a lot so yeah I should I should maybe have a bit more of a think about that calm word (laughs) it's I I think there's a lot there again it's such a unique message and I mean I'm even looking on on the homepage of your your site right now so this group of of images kind of scrolling in in a header format and there's this one image where a, a toddler is sitting on the lap of whom I'm assuming is her or his mother and they're almost face to face, really close, but it's just this beautifully calm, quiet moment. And when I think about yeah. that idea of calm, like that's such a beautiful representation of it. And there's much more of that type of thing on your Instagram feed as well. But yeah, I think it's a beautiful idea and I hope you really take and run with it. Oh, good one. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, and thank you for making time for all of us today. And just as a reminder for our listeners, we just tell them one more time where they can find your website and follow you on Instagram. Yeah, sure. So the website is just sophiedayphotography.com and my Instagram is mylensoflove. So it's L-E-N-S of love. And yeah, that's where I am most of the time on my Instagram. So hopefully we'll connect there. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sophie. I appreciate it. Thank you everybody for listening and have a wonderful day. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. 
The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.